Hello, beautiful friends of WRPX, your Wrestling Revolution podcast. I welcome you back. I'm your host, Antonio Garza. And this week, we had the finale of the G1 Climax. It was a 19-day voyage, and it's over, and it's time to rest. We have two weeks before the start of the best of the Super Juniors, and we got to make every second count. But alas, for this week, we are going to talk about the G1 Climax, the ending, where we left things and where we are going from here. Uh, I don't want to go show by show of everything that's left because at this point it's old news. We can talk about instead the, the wrestlers and what we thought about their performances. So if you are curious to read about a match-by-match -match breakdown, I invite you to go to the wrestlingrevolution.com where you will find my full reviews of, of the final nights of the G1 Climax as well as other reviewers' uh, writings. So I guess let's just go straight to the, to the, to the big one. The finals of the G1 Climax came down to Kota Ibushi from Block B, from Block A, sorry, defeating Sanada from Block B. And in what, I, in my opinion, was a really good match. Mm, I, I thought Sanada probably had one of his better performances in this match. Uh, he gave me really, like, kind of like Tanahashi vibes in his wrestling style. He wasn't doing the whole crowd pandering or anything like that. It was just straight up uh, working. And Ibushi was, I mean, he's always Ibushi and he's always fantastic. So it was just like a really, really nice combination. Um, what One of the things that this match had in like in contrasting the other many matches of the tournament was that uh, we saw like a really heated fan base in Tokyo, uh, we saw there there was this this near fall where Sonata hit the Japanese clutch on, on Ibushi, and the near fall was like two point nine 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 nine. Like I, I joked about red shoes being able to count in in quantum levels, and and that was one of the one situations that made the crowd pop and scream even though they're not supposed to and we saw also that with, with the ending of the match and so this was a really heated match and something that i talked about with some friends is that maybe here in the u.s or in other places of the world mexico sanada may not be the most popular guy because he is kind of boring to a lot of people he doesn't show a lot of charisma um but we have to understand that New Japan Pro Wrestling is booked for the Japanese people and we are just observing from outside the box. Sanada is incredibly popular and huge in Japan. Like he is beloved. You will not find a lot of people 
in Japan talking shit about him. And it just, it makes sense to push him this way. It's not like he's being pushed like a John Cena or anything. He's being just smoothly transitioned into the upper echelons. And here, he came to his the final and he lost to Ibushi. And, and it was good. Like, I, I, I really liked it. And in the same way, like, Ibushi's fantastic. Everyone loves him. Uh, doesn't matter where you are. And he becomes... And, and I think the first wrestler to have three consecutive G1 finals. And he becomes the third person in history to win back-to-back G1s along with Tenson and Shono. So it was pretty uh, groundbreaking. It was a fantastic uh, ending, in my opinion. Like, overall, I can tell you that I, I like the G1. It wasn't the legendary G1 that we have, at least like last year. It wasn't the legendary final that we had with Omega and Naito's and Ibushi's and Jay White's. But it was really good. It was really good. Um, and so, in my opinion, it was a really successful G1, uh, all things considered. And, and so now we go into Ibushi as of now heading into the the wrestle kingdom show which has already been announced as a two-nighter uh january 4th and 5th which i believe is monday and tuesday so pr- pray for for me and everyone that's gonna want to try to follow those things live but that was the ending of, of the g1 climax we can we can go over some of the wrestlers and before we go into the actual uh, repercussions of the tournament because the card for power struggle has been announced and if you watch the final nights of both uh, block A and block B you know there's some news that we need to talk about some some new stables uh, happening (laughs) but let's just go really quickly over the blocks and each wrestler in the block because i think that will be easier for us to like talk about where they were and where they're going and what we thought about their performances uh just straight up i can tell you my mvp of the whole g1 climax was jay white in my opinion he was the best on the microphone the best wrestler the best sports entertainer the best one uh dealing with the crowds and he was just fantastic and, and in a way, he told one of the better stories of the whole G1, um, which we'll talk about later. And and also, I can tell you, like, my favorite match of the whole G1, I'm kind of torn between Ibushi versus Suzuki and Okada versus Shingo Takagi. I think those were the two ones that really, really stood out the most for me. I mean, obviously, every Toriyano is a five-star match, but that is just way overpowered. We discount Jano because he is on another level. But let's start with Block A, and let, let's do a bottom to top, just so we can end up with, with the better ones. Uh, so Yuhiro Takahashi ended with two points, two points that he got just because Hedo is a nice guy, and he didn't want him to just end with zero points, but... All in all, Yuhiro came here to do jobs and to do one specifically good angle with Jay White. 
and that was it he he never showed any hints of greatness even when he fought guys like Chingo or Ishii who arguably have fantastic matches with anything that's in front of them and it's it's I don't know, it's just sad you know like seeing someone like that I like it's sad for me as a fan but it, I'm pretty happy for him like I mentioned before in, in one of the other reviews he is like the miss he is a guy that knows his position in the company he's comfortable being the job guy because he knows that's a steady job he knows that his wrestling is going to allow him to wrestle for 40 more years and and that's it and you know every now and then he gets to to walk around with peter which is i mean i am jealous and that's about it you know um he is a guy that's always going to be there and it it, it feels underwhelming for a G1. I think people are going to say like, oh, this was the worst G1 because you hero Takahashi. But all in all, this is what was available. And I mean, that's it. Minoru Suzuki ended with six points. In my opinion, Suzuki looked fantastic. He was one of the like wrestling machines of the whole G1. Uh, he is around his 50s and he can still go better than some of the a lot of the guys actually in in the whole g1 you know and then he had fantastic matches his match with ibushi his match with with takagi with ishii uh the match with tai chi was uh re really interesting the the match with white i really really love and the match with will 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 osprey sorry uh he showed that he can still do a mystica for fuck's sake you know so Miro Suzuki, you are fantastic. You deserve to be the never open weight champion. And I hope you live forever, my friend. Next up, we have a four-way tie between Chingo, Ishikov, and Taichi with eight points. Let's start with Chingo Takagi, the battle horse of the whole G1. He was the worker of the G1. Like he's just fantastic. He is a wrestling machine. It's crazy to believe that this guy has been wrestling for 20 years and we are like granted I I've known Chingo since he started doing Ring of Honor uh, for the Supercars of Honor like a long long time ago but I I've never really followed Dragon Gate that closely and still today I have trouble following it it's just hard for me to watch but it for a lot of people like this they are barely seeing chingo for the first times in their lives and it's crazy that in 20 years like we are discovering chingo takagi as a community and, and he's just fantastic i personally love I, like i also mentioned um he is a guy that it doesn't matter who he goes against he is chingo he is the ass kicker he's not gonna back down to anyone he's not gonna let anyone outshine him and that makes him fantastic and i also give him props to be the one guy that got Okada's money clip over. Okada had defeated people with it, but it wasn't until he fought Chingo. And Chingo's selling that made the money clip feel like a legit finisher. Next up is Storm Hero Ishii. I've heard that a lot of people have Ishii as the MVP. I would not disagree. Ishii it's just like Chingo, he is a wrestling machine. He is the one guy that you will book in your G1 and he will have great matches with everyone. He 
he unfortunately is pretty similar to Takagi and Suzuki where as fantastic as they are they're not exactly pretty and they're not exactly young and so it's hard to to believe that they're gonna be crowned as anything more than never champions or maybe intercontinental champions because i mean realistically as much as as people may want to shit on wwe for this new japan also books their their top echelon of wrestlers because they're pretty and because they can get fan bases you know like become pop stars and we see it with Ibushi, with Okada, with Tanahashi, with Osprey, with White, with Sanada, and and Naito just because he is the bad boy. But that's the true, like that's the reality. And and unfortunately for Ishii, he will never. He will never be a world champion. But. He will be the guy, that defeats White in the finals. And just gets to walk away knowing that he kicked his ass and he won because that is Ishii. And that's fantastic. We have Jeff Cobb, who is on his second year in the G1. We like I didn't really know what to expect in Cobb in this year. I we've known that New Japan is interested in him and he is all in on New Japan. He that's the reason why he hasn't signed with any American promotion. Um so it, it was nice to see him get some really interesting wins. The four wins that he got were really big names. We have we're talking Ospreys, we're talking Whites, we are talking like Ishis, you know, like and, and Takagis, and and those are, are pretty big names. So it's fantastic for Cobb to have that. Uh, he had a good performance. I've heard that for a lot of people, he was the most improved wrestler of of the G1 climax. I I mean obviously it's between him and Joshihashi who we will talk about. Um but even so I I think the next guy uh Taichi is in my opinion one of the the most improved because Taichi was my my second probably position in, in the MVPs. He was just fantastic. He I, I don't know if people realize that Tai Chi's gimmick is that everything bores him and he's always tired. And, and in a Japanese culture, that is really like the most heelish you can be. And so that's why he really, really connects with the crowd. And, and just seeing him like really put some work in it and just get pissed off is fantastic. I loved the match with Ibushi. Uh, it, it's... It's fun to say because it's really just a match where they just kicked each other. Like you would, you you would, like hear maybe from fans that, uh, of the spotty matches, or the or the American wrestling style and say like, oh, they didn't do shit. They just kicked each other for twenty minutes and that was it. But no, it was just a fantastic clash of egos, and and fighting spirit and and that was it. Just Tai Chi to me was a, like a wrestling machine too. Uh, he's not your Zack Saber or your Okada or anything like that, but he is really embracing the the whole strong style, uh, and so he really, really has good performances when he wrestles people who who can respond in the same way. And so uh, those four men had eight points. Um, they are really at this point like in the middle of of their, their the, of the whole block so we are gonna see them come up and down 
they are not the top echelon but they're also not going to be ignored through for the next 12 and 24 months you know we're only going to see them grow at least the latter two tai chi and cop next up we had uh with 12 points all the ones that were running up but lost we had okada white and osprey so let's start with okada okada has been telling a really interesting story about not really caring about a lot of things we've seen his with promos where he talks about how he doesn't even care about the double champion thing he doesn't want to be a double champion he just wants back the world heavyweight championship and he doesn't really care about the intercontinental and and ever since Night and evil have been trading the titles we've seen him take just like a slower uh, considerably more boring approach to his wrestling he has completely replaced the rainmaker with the money clip he doesn't want to do the rainmaker and that is part of his story that he just wants to to do the money clip and and get it over uh if you if you really looked at okada's past two years the rainmaker went from being unbreakable to like having matches where Okada had to hit four Rainmakers to win. So there is something there where the Rainmaker really, really got weak. And so maybe that's why Okada is, is going for the money clip. Um, at the same time, uh, we now have a different direction for Okada. It's, it will be fantastic to see because it, it involves the next man that we're going to talk about. And it's Will Ospreay. And so let, let's get right to it um, because these two are going to be related for a while. In the finals of Block A, Will Ospreay betrayed Okada. And Okada and Ospreay have a really, really long story. It goes all the way back to Ref Pro when Okada and Ospreay had their first ever match. Ospreay was still just this the aerial assassin or whatever in the indies and he made such a good impression on okada that okada brought him to new japan to chaos and literally changed osprey's life and so ever since we've seen osprey and okada have several fights uh but okada is always on top he always defeats osprey and so Coming to the G1 here, we we had a different Osprey. It was hard for me to get into him at first because I didn't understand the gimmick. But as soon as I understood that Osprey, now that he's bigger and he is a full-fledged heavyweight, he thinks he's the best in the world. And so he's cocky. And he, I, I talked about this, but he treated like Ishii as shit. And he was being cocky against everyone. He thought he was better than everyone. And so... It really felt like, oh man, hey, Osprey may as well defeat Okada here cleanly, stay babyface, because this is the one match that doesn't really count because there's no titles, there's nothing in, in the line. But alas, even with his bigger size, even with anything, Osprey is still not able to defeat Okada by himself. And so 
he came in and he had a plan uh, to bring B. Priestley and to bring the great Okan, formerly known as uh, Tomoyuki Oka, which I honestly think Oka is going to be a, an easier name for me to say, so I'm probably just going to be calling him Opka for the, for the next uh, 10 years. And, and so that's what happened. Uh, Osprey turned on Okada. He feels that Okada has been pushing him down and, and holding him back. And I don't know why he thinks this, but it's all in his mind. And so there it is. Uh, Osprey has left chaos. He is starting a stable, which at this point, I think, don't quote me, I think it's going to be called Empire. Uh, and so far, it's just B. Priestley as probably, I, I don't know what she, her, her role is going to be other than second. And, and the great Okan, a.k.a. Oka. So, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I'm i kind of worried when it comes to Osprey being the leader of a faction because I am not particularly fond of Osprey's make work. Uh, but we'll see where it goes. There, there was a rumor going around that Jeff Cobb was supposed to be the guy behind Osprey, like uh, instead of Oka, but it ended up being Oka. So, there, that, I mean, that doesn't mean that Cobb is not going to join him later on. And and if we see, if we jump a little bit to the Bullet Club situation right now with White and Evil and Angelo and Kenta, there's no Tongans and it really feels like white is the odd man out and if the bullet club ends up becoming more of a japanese uh stable now because there's more japanese people at this point then don't be surprised that osprey is going to lead the new heel uh, foreigner stable and right now we have you know some some people there so it'll be interesting to see where everything goes so far we know that okada and osprey are likely going to feud their way all the way to wrestle kingdom because likely naito is just going to be involved with ibushi and evil and and maybe sanada even like for wrestle kingdom so they're probably going to keep osprey and okada by themselves which I don't mind. I think a match between them at Wrestle Kingdom should be just crazy balls out. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. In my opinion, just uh, talking about their tournaments, I think Osprey had a fantastic tournament. Like I said, I had trouble getting into his character at first. I didn't understand it, but once I did, everything clicked. And, and with Okada, he was really up and down. Uh, it's, it's hard to get into the money clip, you know? Uh, it's hard to get into a match where you know the ending is going to be the monoclip, and that's what made it hard. Uh, he had like a small section between the like some of the like days. I don't know, like maybe six, seven, and eight, where he started rolling up people, and and that was like a good change of pace. So all in all, I think Okada had a decent. Uh, tournament not not fantastic but it was decent and osprey had like a pretty good one too and and we go now to jay white that was the third man with 12 points jay white 
told a fantastic story of a leader that failed and he failed when maybe for him matters the most because he started really really strong but then he started losing and at the end he was the guy that had everything in his hands and it slipped away and and at the end of his match with Ishii like you could see it like Ishii didn't cut a promo so the camera just stayed on white and white was in the corner while ghetto just like was going crazy over everything and so for the for the couple of days before the the finals of the block a white has been cutting a lot of promos on evil and vice versa they are they're passive aggressive promos about the leadership of the bullet club and and it really came off until we saw the yuhiro takahashi match where we finally saw white distrust both yuhiro and ghetto because they now he now thinks like they are part of evil's plan and so white is feeling that there's like a like a, a coup against him and, and and so we'll see where it goes it, it's it was a really good story of just a leader failing and and at the same like on the other side you're seeing the other uh quote unquote leader having like a pretty good run and and so yeah he like i said before he had just like the best promos he had fantastic wrestling matches he is a master of dealing with people with the crowds right now because he makes them make noise in many different ways and then he still uses that noise to make fun of them and and like cement his his heelish tactics and and thus it was just a fantastic fantastic performance by jay white uh like i said my mvp of the whole g1 but he unfortunately wasn't the winner the winner with 14 points was kota ibushi who i mean there's not much to say kota is fantastic and he was fantastic in his wrestling he had some of of the other competitors best matches and that's it you know like he he got to the end at, at one point his his whole thing was about I want to make it to the finals once again and I want to win it once again and, and he achieved both things so good for him uh, it, he's gonna go likely into Wrestle Kingdom and at this point I do think he's gonna win I think he's gonna win the World Heavyweight Championship I think it's long overdue uh, He, I, I can't see him losing two Wrestle Kingdoms uh, sequentially and so I think 2021 like going with Ibushi is just a good option I think unfortunately for him it was like a weird year but Naito had his run with the title he did what he was gonna do and, and that's it I I don't think Naito needs another run soon and so just unleash Ibushi onto the world the world heavyweight champion Kota Ibushi cement him as realistically the new ace of the company now that Tanahashi is on the way down. Uh, Ibushi East is, at least for now, 
<laughs> until his body holds up because let's not forget he is 38 years old uh he is like the the face of the company he can be like he has the face he has the body he has the style he has wrestling he has everything to be that one guy that you push and so let him be the champion and let's start that that part of ibushi's career you know and that was block a let's go into block b really quick we go all the way down again to Joshihashi, who is arguably the biggest surprise of the of the G1 and maybe the whole year because it does. It's not just the G1. He's been having good matches since the New Japan Cup. Uh, Joshihashi just decided to work. Decided to finally start working, uh, and he was fantastic. He had a lot of great matches and. In my opinion, when you compare with the other participants of the Block B, he was better than Juice Robinson. He was better than Hiroto Goto. He was sometimes better than Sanada and Evil and Kenta. So good for Yoshihashi. It's unfortunate that he is still just a geek in the totem pole of New Japan, as we saw it in the finals night. Uh, he he lost. He took the pin for Doki of all guys. So that's like a, a quick wake up and reminder that he is still Joshihashi. Don't get excited. But if anything else, Joshihashi became one of the guys in Block B that I was most uh, looking forward to watching every Block B show. And good for him because he's a guy that I've been shitting on for the last two or three years. He is my, my geeky Hashi. So let's see if he can continue this streak. And... You know, good for him. Like maybe he can turn his 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 career around. Like, don't be a, a Yuhiro Takahashi and be a Taichi. Like, Joshihashi at this point, I think, can go either way, and it's up to him. You know, to show that he wants to. Uh, next up with six points, we had Toriyano, who, like I said, is a god among gods. He is the one guy that. It's just, uh, like, th the way I see Jano is he is a guy that breaks the mold. He is, for a lot of people, the punching line. But he's a guy that, that breaks the monopoly and the mold of the G1 Climax. If you, if you watch Block A, sometimes every match, it's the same thing. Depending on the pairings, it's the same thing over and over and over again. But in Block B, we have Yano, which gives us fun matches, short matches. Uh, he makes guys like Ebol and Kenta and Goto like change their style and try to do something different, like not the same shit, different day type of situation. And so I will always like Yano. I think Yano, every punk company should have a Toru Yano in their upper mid cards uh area where you just make both the the younger not the younger but like the lower totem people and the the main banners like do something different every now and then you really can't get boring watching the same thing the same like title defense over and over again so i love that's why i love jano um uh, and like i mentioned before in other reviews in in this pandemic days I'm really, really tired of just watching drama and drama and drama and drama and everything's drama and everything's work rate and 
and watching fun stuff like a Toriano match just makes my day. Uh, next up, we had Juice Robinson, who, in my opinion, had a terrible G1. He was just boring as fuck. Uh, it, it's to me so weird because when it's not G1, he's always like contending for titles, either the tag titles or the US uh, title. And once the G1 happens, it doesn't matter. He's just the guy that's going to be like at the bottom of the block. And, and that was it. And I, I, I honestly didn't really enjoy Robinson. He has like a fantastic connection with the crowd uh, in Japan, but his wrestling wasn't doing it for me. Um, a lot of punchy punchy, but not in the Chingo Takagi way. So I don't know. Like he was one of the guys where once the match started, I was like, oh man, like finish already. I am done with you. And it's the same guy, the same thing with the next guy, Hiroki Goto, who I've said it over and over again. He felt like filler this tournament. Uh, I suspect that he got hurt and thus his matches were just short and shitty. He is a guy that, man, like, what are you going to do with Goto? Like, he, like he <laughs> he's a guy that really works hard to not be Yuhiro Takahashi. But he, I mean, that's, that's as far as he can go. Like, at least Ishii gets to, like, main event the, the ending the big matches and have fantastic matches but Goto like sometimes he just doesn't get anything and in this tournament I think he knew he wasn't going to get anything and thus he worked according to his his hopes uh, he was really really boring in my opinion and I mean it, it sucks because I do enjoy a Goto match every now and then when he really really wants to go and also with 8 points was Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, he he had a good wrestling tournament. And he was fantastic with promos. He is just a, like a beautiful man. When, when he talks in his promos, like they're all full of love. And it's just beautiful to hear. Because again, like you, you listen to some of the promos from other companies and it's all like ar ar i'm gonna kill you come sunday 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 and, and all that shit you know and 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 even when you have wrestlers who are like super baby faces like that rob off their their losses it just comes as like i don't know pretentious and and it's not like it doesn't feel like coming from the heart but hiroshi tanahashi like when he talks about like the fans and losses and working hard like you can feel it comes from the heart and it's just beautiful i i really recommend you go watch the the promo he cut when he lost to goto and he finally realized that he had lost the he was eliminated from the g1 like it's such a beautiful promo because he's talking about you know he he can't no actually I think it's the one against Sonata. Yeah, that's the one I think it where he puts over Sonata and he talks about how it's really hard for him to keep up with the current level of the main event of, of New Japan. But no matter what, he's going to keep working hard to be there. And even if he's already eliminated for the G one, 
he's gonna train for the next year and and then he goes like you know what actually like i'm just gonna go to the gym right now and start training for next year and and he leaves and and that's just fantastic like you really feel for Tanahashi and and like he's a guy that even cries in his promos like he's he's just fantastic so he had a, a good uh tournament wrestling wise his his matches are always just I mean they're solid and they're fantastic he tells really nice stories but I think in, in the promo situations where I really really love Tanahashi this this G1 next up we had Zack Saber Jr with 10 points uh, Zack Saber is similar to Ishii and and Yano in a way, uh, because Zack Saber is a guy that's always just gonna have solid matches. His style is so different from everything else that he's just solid. And similar to Yano, he's always gonna make everyone else have to wrestle his style, and and it forces to see new things from other people, and it's different combinations, and it's just really really fun. To see Zack Saber matches, he is still the best technical wrestler in my opinion. Uh, even if we have like Greshams and Still Lives and Diana Purasos out there, like Zack Saber is still the best technical wrestler out there, and it's just a a treat to see him. and And he is also like fantastic on the microphone uh, in his backstage promos. I I personally loved when he defeated Goto in that like less than five minute match and then he goes backstage and he's not saying anything he's just kind of like laughing around and he just says like hey the guys know that the G in G1 stands for Goto and then leaves and oh my god it's just perfect punchline he is fantastic next up we have Kenta with 10 points Kenta this year felt really really interesting uh, I know a lot of people don't like anything at like has to do with the bullet club right now because oh cheating and interference but kenta in my opinion was super fun he he just feels really really chaotic in the ring and, and he botches some stuff but i don't particularly mind his botches because his botches seem more of a man that's like not able like he's tired or he wasn't able to carry your weight stuff like that it's not like things that looks mistimed or not choreographed choreographed uh enough and so i really enjoy kenta i think kenta is one of those guys with that depending on who he fights he makes good connections or bad connections if if he can like really really unleash the the ass kicker that he can be and and so he had he was like up and down but overall i i enjoy kenta matches i really enjoyed this Kenta character he has. I love his music. His promos backstage were always super fucking weird. He, I think pretty much for the whole G1, he kept telling like a soap, like soap opera uh, type of story <laughs> backstage. And, and it really culminated with the, I think it was the last night or the second to last night where he was just even involving the, uh, the interviewers. Uh, Kenta's just really, really fun to watch in my opinion. Um, cheating or not i don't give a fuck and next up we have the double champion tetsuya naito with 12 points naito in my opinion had the best wrestling he's had in the last three years 
And I don't know if that says because Naito really, really performed well or because my standards of Naito had been really, really low coming to the G1. But in my opinion, he looked healthy. He looked fantastic. The, the, the one problem that Naito does have is that he has a really weird speed. He goes up and down in speed. And so sometimes his con, uh, competitors are not able to follow him with that speed. And so he does come off like, like really jumpy sometimes like he doesn't he has to wait for people to to be in their positions for him to do his stuff but overall i thought naito had one of the better uh performances he's had for the whole i mean year and previous years uh, i've heard a lot of people that thought that evil the naito was just terrible and has been the whole year i i wouldn't disagree because his he's been feuding with evil of all people um and he is the next person we're gonna talk about, but uh, I don't know. Like I think Naito does still have it, um, but he does need to like he he needs he's maybe like Okada, where he needs to really know how to deal with long matches, um, because that is one thing that a lot of people dislike about current. Um, no fan stuff that long matches with no fans are a problem. I don't particularly mind. It's it's the same thing for me. I've never paid attention to the fans or the commentary anyway. Uh, but yeah, that was it. And 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 so let's go into Evil that also finished with tail points. Uh, Evil. So Evil, there's a lot of problems with Evil. I I don't dislike heal Evil. I don't dislike Bullet Club Evil, but there are little things that he needs to tweak on his current character or wrestling style to really improve. I've mentioned before that, in my opinion, what hurts Evil the most is that when he does, when he gets the win after a low blow, it sucks the air out of the arena and it really, really hurts him. And that's the reason most people end an Evil match thinking that it was just shit. Uh, but if if you have matches like the one he had with Tanahashi or even Goto, I believe, and where the last minutes are not about uh, Togo in, interferes, low blow, and, and everything is evil, where it's actually evil and his competitor just going for counters, 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 I think those matches are, are really, really good. Are They're still as good as, as darkness evil used to to have and so i think that is one tweak that he should have just do you know because for for the good of himself you know uh, i don't mind cheating and i don't mind it when it's uh at the middle of the match because it actually adds extra drama for the baby face the problem is when the match ends due to cheating because sometimes people can see through it and it sucks the air out of the arenas and it just feels like like really really underwhelming and, and so that that's what the, the thing with evil i also think that dick togo is not particularly a good second he is really like slow slow and blocky when he uh gets into the matches like if you want to really see a comparison of good interference go watch from the finals the how uh, what's her face? B Priestley interferes in Will Ospreay's matches. Uh, 
she jumps, attacks, and then runs and hides. Like, it's not slow, it's not blocky, and, and that's the thing that Togo does have. He's just really, really slow to interfere, and that's what makes the matches feel, like, dumb. So, those are just two things that I think Evil needs to work on. Uh, but overall, I I like Heal Evil. I didn't think his tournament was uh, particularly good, but he did have, like, a couple of matches that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, especially the one against the next guy, Sanada, who won the block with an also 12 points, but he had the tiebreakers over both Evil and Naito. Sanada, it's really hard to read. Uh, he, he's, he's really charismatic, but he's not charismatic in the way that Tanahashi, Okada, or even White or Ibushi are. He's just like straight up, as his nickname is, Cold. And though, and so I think a lot of people have trouble getting behind Sanada for that reason. I've always liked Sanada, uh, even when he was the great Sanada in TNA. I've always liked Sanada. He he just like gives me a, a good uh, like atmosphere about him, you know, like aura. And so I I, I do agree that some of his matches were pretty weak, uh, depending on who he wrestled. Uh, but I, I did enjoy. Um, most of his performances I really enjoyed when he started winning <laughs> uh, especially like his match with Naito I enjoyed a lot his match with Evil I enjoyed a lot obviously the match with, with Jana was fantastic and, and and that was also the problem of, of this block you know he we had to see Sanada versus Juice Robinson or Sanada versus Goto which were just like deaf by by TV, but overall I was happy to see Sanada get the win for the block and go against Ibushi. I was I was really really happy for him. Uh, so that was all the participants of the G1. Like I said, in my opinion, it was a fun uh, tournament. It was it actually felt less tiresome than last year because I I do remember last year. Um, around the middle of the tournament, it started to feel hard to follow. But overall, I I enjoyed it. Obviously, it helped not having the tag matches. It made shorts really go really quick. So having talked about all that, the card for Power Struggle has been announced. It is a six-match card. It's just singles matches. So And it, and it sounds like fantastic, in my opinion. Uh, and we saw... All of this get built from the final night of the G1, which was all tag team matches except for the finals. And so for, for Power Struggle, really quick, let's go over. It's going to be Toriyano defending the King of Pro Wrestling 2020 trophy against Zack Sabre. They, they had like a really decent match at the blocks. And then uh, there is like this Chaos versus Suzuki Gun feud starting uh, where it seems like Doki and the Techers are going to be challenging for the trio title, which in my opinion will lead to whatever combination of Yoshihashi, Goto, Ishii, or Yano uh, def like going after the tag titles from the Techers. So I am down for any of that. Uh, we, we still don't know what stipulation Yano is going to set up, so I hope is. um like a tape deathmatch or uh, 
water spray deathmatch. We have the never open weight champion Minoru Suzuki defending against Chingo Takagi. This was pretty much also set up from the G1 and from the last night of, of the G1 climax where Chingo and Hiromu defeated uh, Suzuki and Kanemaru. This also kind of set up Ken, uh, Hiromu hinting that he wants the tag titles, the junior tag titles, but going into the super juniors, we don't know. It, it would. Like, I don't want Hiromu to not have, like, a good place for Wrestle Kingdom. But it does kind of, like, allow other people to get in there. Uh, we have Okada versus the Great Okan. This is obviously, like, the stepping stone for Okada to reach Osprey. Uh, this is going to be a really, really big match for Great Okan. He has to show that he can he can play with the big boys. And so, I mean, let's hope that he has a good performance. I love his look uh, when he's dressed up. I'm not super sold on the, like, Genghis Khan, Arabian, I don't know, type of shit. I'm sorry if I'm being, uh, if I'm lacking culture here. Um, but that's it. And next up, we have Kenta def um, defending the IWGP United States Heavyweight title shot against Hiroshi Tanahashi. That match should be fantastic. I I can totally see Tanahashi defeating Kenta to both establish Tanahashi versus Moxley, hopefully for the Wrestle Kingdom, but also establishing that briefcases do change hands without actually having to to play around with the one from the G1. And that 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 match in my opinion sounds fantastic i am really looking forward to that i i really really like the kenta tanahashi match from the g1 so i am ready for more we have kota ibushi defending the wrestle kingdom uh title shot against jay white who actually came after the whole show ended and they went backstage jay white came up to ibushi and challenged him for it since he does have a win over him uh so I am not, not, that's fantastic. I would imagine Ibushi is just going to retain and we will see what it means for Jay White uh, at this position. I can also see at this point Jay White Evil being the match for, for Wrestle Kingdom. And it may be something that gets set up in, the, in these two matches uh, Ibushi defeating Jay White and the next one where I am expecting. Tetsuya Naito to defeat Evil to retain both the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Champions. And, and just to get over that hump. Um, this is unfortunately another Naito versus Evil match. Uh, at this point, you should already expect Togo to interfere. So don't don't come complaining that oh, Togo cheated and I didn't like it. Because at this point, you should know that he's going to, to be there. And so overall, it looks like a fantastic card six matches so it sounds like every every match will have enough time to do their thing um it's just like the top echelon of cards i am really happy we have a yano match because if we're gonna have that trophy we might as well start defending it too and overall i am really really looking forward to this card i don't know at this point if we're gonna have a king of pro wrestling since after this card we are gonna start the Tag League and the best of the Super Juniors. But if this is the, our big card for the end of fall into winter se uh, season, I 
I do not have a problem with that. I I think this is a fantastic, fantastic card. And so that is Power Struggle. That is New Japan, uh, the G1 Climax, which we just finished. And let's let's look forward into what comes in the future. You know, uh, it seems like we are now headed to Wrestle Kingdom full force. Um, so the more the merrier. I am fan I am so fascinated by by the stuff that new japan pro wrestling has been doing but talking about japan pro wrestling let's do a little quick jump into all japan pro wrestling which had their um they have their racing and army memorial series 2020 their first night and i didn't watch this full show but i did want to talk about the main event which was the triple crown title match between suwama the champion and Zeus, the winner of the champion carnival uh this this match felt like Zeus ended the champion carnival like a big deal because he defeated kento miyahara in a fantastic match a match that i really really recommend you go out and where you see but then he came into to the defense against suwama who i i haven't really talked about suwama here before but I fucking hate Suwama. He is so boring. He is, uh, like in my opinion, he's just past his prime. He 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 comes off. He wrestles like past his prime. Uh, I know a lot of people love him. I'm pretty sure Japan loves him, but to me, I cannot just eat him. He is, he is like if Nagata just sucked, which he, Nagata doesn't, <laughs> but Suwama does. And so like, I I particularly wasn't even going to watch this match or, or looking forward to it but i started hearing really opposite um sides of the spectrum of people who really really liked this match and people who hated it so i wanted to check it out where to see where it was uh, and indeed suwama defeated Zeus, like i expected uh to me it was really weird that the, the title match came so close after the champion carnival and it came in like the first day of a, of a tour it just felt weird for me, so I didn't expect Suwama to to lose, and and, and particularly to Zeus, because Zeus has been a champion before. But as as much as he grew during the carnival, I didn't really feel he was gonna be like next champion in line. In my opinion, I still think that down the line, probably by the start of the next year, we're going to see Jake Lee win the title. Or maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Shotaro Ashino. Uh, at this point, I doubt that's going to be Shino anymore. But I can totally see Jake Lee winning the title. So that he either turns babyface defending the title against someone like Ashino. Or we get the return of, of Kento Miyahara into the title scene. But overall, the match, I thought it was really boring. I do not particularly enjoy seeing like younger guys beat up old men for more than 10 minutes and this was it but at the end of the match I, I will give a little bit of props when when it seems like Suhawama had everything lost he I really enjoyed his selling of a man that's just fighting to survive uh, but unfortunately like that selling and that comeback lasted for about maybe five minutes of the 32 that it went and then he just uh went like finisher crazy and he defeated Zeus. so i don't know uh 
it, it was in my opinion really boring that it started it started weird because it started with a really uh, aggressive Suwama but really quickly Zeus took him down and that's where everything just like broke down for me so I wanted to talk about it because it happened it was a big match but it is not a match that I recommend you go watch uh, there are far better matches like in my opinion just actually go watch Kento Miyahara versus Zeus from the end of the of the champion carnival that was way more worth your time than than this suwama versus Zeus. but that is it for japanese wrestling this week and as every other week it is time for your impact traffic report welcome everyone to impact wrestling so for impact this week we actually have two big things going on we have uh today's impact episode of october the 20th as of i am recording but this is also the go home show for bound for glory which takes place this saturday on on pay-per-view so let's go really quick over today's show so we can go into the actual preview of the bound for glory card it is a really short card, but there is a lot of things going around. So just really quick uh, for Impact today, uh, we started with a match that was Hernandez defeating Alicia Edwards, Rhino, Heath, and Cousin Jake. Uh, this match came about from last week when we talked about um, we had the Collier Shot Gauntlet match participants go in a five-on-five tag team match where this particular team won and now they had the chance to to fight against each other and the stipulation was that whoever won was going to get the the coveted number 20 spot in the gauntlet and whoever got pinned or submitted was going to get the number one and so that was pretty much it there was not much of a match um in in this but we did get uh hernandez winning over rhino uh who is now going to go number first and, and the big thing here is that rhino as also we talked last week put his career on the line that if he or heath don't win the gauntlet he, uh heath is gone and rhino is pretty much retiring from impact because he's giving up his contract and so it, it it's it's interesting that rhino is the one who has the the everything stacked against him and not Heath but overall that's good I Hernandez is number 20 it's probably best because he is currently in terrible shape and he sucks so the least we see of him the better but at the same time it's going to be a really really underwhelming number 20 spot um, which is usually a spot that a lot of people like crave to see who it is but now it's going to be Hernandez so eh but it was a short match uh, the, the the wrestling was pretty much meh. Uh, the story was that no one wanted to wrestle Alicia, but she kept getting in the way of everyone, and eventually she got in the way of a gore, and so she got gored, and and Rhino got distracted, and, and Hernandez took the the opportunity to roll him up for the win. So like I said, a nothing match, but it lasted less than five minutes. I do not mind. Uh, we had a video recapping the ongoing story between Moose and EC3, which has been long and tedious, but we're finally getting into the the 
big match where hopefully everything will will go down uh the video that lead into jimmy jacobs trying to interview moose who's who's just like not cooperating uh but the the big thing here was that jimmy jacobs at the end got kidnapped by some of ec3's minions and that's going to feed into a spot well not a spot like a segment later on in the night uh we we had a skit with bravo and the wedding rehearsal and at this point this has like completely like broken down it's just terrible at this point there's it's been dragged on for the halloween episode but like at this point you could tell like this segment was just filler because there was nothing left to do and they have like not a lot of ideas left for comedy so it was just like a couple of bravo berating the everyone in the rehearsal and and like some bad comedy but that would say like we are one week away from from this ending so let's just power through it we then had a really really good promo by deona Purasa, your knockouts champion and she pretty much said the usual champions promo where she talks about uh, what the knockouts division means and how she's going to show that she is the greatest champion of all time she did make like a really nice contrast between herself and kylie ray saying that kylie ray doesn't really react well to stress because every time we've seen kylie ray uh kind of like succumb to stress because of her attack the attacks to Susie or kimberly like just talking trash kylie ray goes crazy and and so Diona's argument is that come bound for glory she will be able to keep her head leveled while kylie will probably uh just stress out and lose her her cool we had rosemary defeat havoc uh the stipulation here well like non-official stipulation was that if rosemary defeated havoc uh, Havoc will help Rosemary bring Father James Mitchell back from the dead so he can officiate the Rosemary and Bravo wedding. This was a bad match. I didn't like it. Uh, I've been praising Rosemary for the last month, but this one really, really was weak. Um, and it, again, it also lasted like about three minutes, so no complaints really here. Uh, it was short, and it, and it obviously got the result of, of Rosemary defeating uh, Havok so they can go ahead and and bring back James Mitchell so I mean whatever at this point I I'm just done with this wedding thing I, I just wanted to end we got a video package of the four-way for the tag team titles uh, in, that involve the Motor City Machine Guns the North the Good Brothers and the team of Ace Austin and Madman Fulton this was a nice little package um, we are gonna see it again later tonight because the the main event of tonight is the north versus the good brothers but like overall like just a good reminder like uh of the of the feud it was good uh and it led to we got a sneak peek of the good brothers uh talking shop show which was going to air well it aired after impact i cannot tell you about it because i am recording this instead of watching it but I, I mean, the preview looked really, really walky. 
we have like Rocky Romero and we have an Elvis Presley impersonator, which I think is Heath. And we just have like a lot of old timers. So it looks fun if you are into the whole uh, talking shop and talking mania type of, of wrestling and show, you know, which is just like wacky ass shit. We had the, the counter promo by Kylie Ray on Diana Purrazzo. Uh She pretty much made the argument that Diana likes to call herself the, like, the best technical wrestler in the world, but she and and Purrazzo haven't really wrestled. And so at Bound for Glory, we'll know who the, the best really is. Uh, I think the, the bigger point here was that Ray, like Kylie Ray said that... Um, she wants revenge for what Diana and Kimberly did to Susie, breaking her arm. But that her motivation for Bound for Glory is not revenge, but rather winning the title. And that at the end of the of the night, once she wins the title, it won't be the revenge she's looking for. So kind of like implying that uh, I'm going to take your title, but I'm still not going to be done with you. I'm still going to like hurt you later on once i have the title so all in all it was a, it's a good promo kylie ray feels so weird when she's cutting like serious promos and she's being like uh like serious and aggressive like she feels so weird but uh i, I do like her uh her performance so far we we finally saw like the payoff of jimmy jacobs getting uh kidnapped uh, because he got taken to EC3's lair and who demanded like an interview and and pretty much was Jacob's like okay so I mean tell me what this is like your fucking narrative that you've been talking about for months and EC3 just kind of said like I, I finally found someone who I wanted to fight in Moose but I want to teach Moose uh, like how to become the man he wants to become whatever uh, and then he said that for EC3, he wants to defeat Moose because that will help him finally like burn his past and the TNA world title along with him. This like EC3's performance is really good, but this like just came off super corny. I am so done with this storyline. I I'm interested to see where it goes because if I am correct, I like the idea of Moose and EC3 joining. Uh, as a team of some sort but I am so done with the whole like cryptic shit about narratives and, and my past and, and the TNA title like just just get it over with at this point uh, I want to see EC3 become just like a wrestler again uh, up next we had Sammy Callahan defeating Eddie Edwards this this was really good up until the really, really stupid um, finish. I, I, I didn't like the finish. But as we know, Sammy Callahan has been exploiting Shamrock's uh, issues with rage to get to to get Shamrock to attack Eddie Edwards. So I guess at this point, the Edwards-Callahan feud must continue. But the, the match was pretty decent. Um, Callie hadn't worked over Edwards' eyes for most of it. Then Edwards made a comeback. He hit a big Frankenstein and a blue thunderbomb for, for a near fall. 
he hit a tiger bomb and was setting up the the Boston knee party but then like as he's running like he suddenly stops because Callahan kind of like tells him to wait because he has his phone out and then he clicks an app on his phone and the lights go off and then they come back off on and and Chamrock's there and Edwards get distracted and Callahan rolls him up for the win and I I just thought this was completely really stupid for Edwards I think he just looked like really super you're already running just take out Callahan like break his phone and, and after the match uh, Shamrock just uh, got the ankle lock on, on Eddie Edwards and I just thought it was really really like like the angle itself was super stupid um, at this point we all already know that they're fighting, so seeing Shamrock put on the alkyl lock uh, more felt like overdoing it. I would rather have seen like a little interview between Callahan and Shamrock uh, where they show more into the relationship they're having. Um, and that's it. Like, I didn't really need to see this match, and especially that angle. Um, but that was it. And, and this was arguably maybe like the longest match of the night which is not particularly like a good thing we got a, a video package of the whole situation with the exhibition championship um it showed how rohit raju won the title how he has been defending it by being a chicken shit heel um and and it kind of explained how jordan grace and willie mack came into this four-way feud that has been building up for like a couple of months now uh, between Chris Bay, TJP, Rohit, and Trey Miguel. And so it was a, it was a good package in my opinion. Uh, this led into Trey Miguel, TJP, and Willie Mack defeating uh, the champion Rohit, Chris Bay, and Jordan Grace. Uh, the story of the match was pretty much that Rohit is, well, I mean, obviously was the weak uh, link of the whole six uh, participants. Uh, but he also showed that he is quite sneaky and quite conniving and he will steal your pin even uh, if he's not like being like successful in his wrestling. He did lose the match because in his like tricks he ended up trying to, to steal the pin from Chris Bay and Chris Bay was just fed up with Rohit. He has been fed up with him for several like also weeks. Uh, and so Chris Bay dropped him with a, a springboard cutter and Trey Miguel just pretty much jumped in and, and took the win. And and it was good. Uh, we had like a really good sequence with Chris Bay and TJP and a really good sequence with Chris Bay and Mac. Um, and then Jordan Grace got to show off how she's like a total powerhouse uh, amongst this men. And, and so that was really, really like it was a short, productive match with pretty good action um T tjp is one of those guys that had been uh hinted for the best of the super juniors before the the shutdown so we'll see if they want to bring him back to to new japan for the upcoming tournament uh if that is the case i think we can write him off as the next champion and and he'll probably be off impact for a couple of like maybe a whole month but um he's fantastic he's he's Really stupid as a person, but he's a fantastic wrestler. Uh, next up, we had um, a, a really good 
video package kind of like showcasing the paths of Rich Swan and Eric Young in the last month. Eric Young in a path of destruction while Rich Swan is in a path of recovery and how it leads up to, to the big reveal from last week where Rich Swan is finally healthy and ready to go for Bound for Glory. So it was a really good package. Like last week, I, I remember saying that I hated that they brought Swan like that, but overall the package was good. I will not complain about the package. This led to GM Miller interviewing Eric Young, who pretty much said that he planned out his his path of winning the title, and he's not going to allow Eddie Edwards or Rich Swan or Scott Demore or anyone to get in. In like to stop his plan or get in, in there so he's going to destroy everything that comes up and that was pretty much it eventually Swan jumped him and they brawled into the street and we never saw them again so I am expecting that they're still wrestling out there and they're probably going to wrestle until uh, Saturday that, that'd be awesome just to start the show with them fighting on the streets and then we have the main event of the night which is, was the North Ethan Page and Josh Alexander versus the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, which ended in a no contest when the referee was not able to get order after all men started just brawling in the ring. Um, I thought the finish looked kind of weak because it didn't seem like worth stopping <laughs> at that point, but I understand what they went for. Uh, the The match was pretty like by the book. They, the baby faces worked a little bit over Josh Alexander. Then Carl Anderson got cut off. Baby face on peril. Gallows got the hot tag, and we got a, like one magic killer tease, and then we got the, the no contest call. So it was okay. Like um, after the match, we had the, the Ace Austin, Fulton, and the Machine Guns come down and just join a brawl. And it was just like a big brawl that ended with the Good Brothers and the Morrissey Machine Guns clearing the ring only for Anderson to turn on Shelly and hit him with a, a gun stun. So it was it was okay. Like As a go-home show, I thought it did a good job touching on all of the matches that are booked for the tournament. I mean, for the, for the pay-per-view. But it was really, really weak inside the ring. Uh, so I think it failed as a show, like a standalone show. But as a go-home show, I think it was a good, good preview to what is to come for Bound for Glory. And, and let's just get into it right now. We have seven matches booked for Bound for Glory. We start with the Collier Shot gauntlet where the winner will can like can choose a championship they want to challenge for and in addition we have the storyline where if rhino or heath win uh heath gets a contract with impact wrestling but if neither win uh heath is gone and rhino is fired so far we have ac romero brian myers havoc heath hernandez larry d rhino Taya Valkyrie, Tanil Dashwood, Tommy Dreamer confirmed. So expect maybe a couple more surprises. Um, 
there are a lot of people not booked so far like the rascals rosemary and so like kira hogan tasha steels so don't be surprised if they end up in this uh gauntlet we also don't have like uh like the, this list didn't say cody diener and cousin jake who are also confirmed and and so we have more names for sure uh, we have Eddie Edwards versus Ken Shine Rock with Sammy Callahan. This is just like a straight up singles match. I am expecting that in this match, Shamrock turns babyface against Sammy and just joins Ed Eddie. Because it's really weird that Shamrock is being inducted to the Hall of Fame as a heel at this point. <laughs> so I'm just expecting the turn at this match. We have the EC3 versus Moose match. I think this is going to be a cinematic match because EC3 has been doing a lot of cinematic uh, shit so, uh, lately. So I, that's what I'm expecting. Hopefully, like I said, it's the end of this really stupid story that they've been telling. And it just ends up with EC3 defeating Moose. And then Moose kind of like joining the whole uh, write your own narrative uh, side of EC3. And they become a tag team or something. Maybe a stable. I wouldn't mind. Just anything except this this fucking feud. We have the six-way intergender scramble match for the Impact X Division Championship. Rohit defense against Chris Bay, Jordan Grace, TJP, Trey Miguel, and Willie Mack. I am going to call for... I have a feeling that Chris Bay is going to win the title. Either Chris or Trey Miguel. I, I do not see Jordan Grace winning because she is likely to just to go back uh, to chase uh, Diana Parasa or Kylie Ray eventually. Like I said, TJP, if he goes back to Japan, I do not see him winning. Willie Mack just was a champion and he was terrible. I hope he doesn't win. And Rohit, I haven't joined Rohit Raju, the whole defeat Rohit, but... There's only just so far he can go. He is really likely to win too because his whole thing is that he will steal your pin. So there, there's a chance that Rohit can retain. I wouldn't mind. I do enjoy Rohit a lot. He has the best jumping knee in the business. We have the four-way tag team match for the Impact World Tag Team Championships. The Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban, the champions defend against the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson versus the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander versus Ace Austin and Matt Man Fulton. I do unfortunately think the Good Brothers are going to win because you cannot have Anderson and Gallows in the promotion and not give them the titles. I wish the North would be, win because they are the best tag team in the world. But they've also been the, the tag team champions for the last year, so I do not see it. And Austin and Fulton are they've they're really good characters, but they're not exactly an established tag team, so I don't see them winning. But so overall I think it's going to be between the machine guns and the good brothers. I, I am going with the good brothers just because they are bigger names. We have the Knockouts Championship match with Deanna Parasso uh, defending against Kylie Ray. This can go either way. I think uh, Deanna's ring is really short, but Kylie Ray is so ready to be the woman's champion. So I can really see it go either way. We also, like, regardless of who wins, we know that this could go into more intense matches later on. 
because it's already hot, but it can go hotter. And at the same time, Kylie Ray versus Susie is already written down. At any point, that can explode. So I I can see either way, but I think this is the match that I'm most looking forward to. I think it's going to be really, really good. And finally, we have Eric Young versus Rich Swan for the world title. Eric Young, your champion. I think this is the, the day where Rich Swan finally becomes a world champion. I think it's long overdue. He is fantastic. He's always been fantastic. And ever since coming back from this like gruesome injury, like he's just felt like super, super like ready to be the champion. And it would tell like just a fantastic story, you know, of of being close to like losing your career and your actually like your ability to walk, you know, because he broke his neck and his back. And so uh, just being able to come back and, and win the champion against this like terrible heel Eric Young, who's just like one of the best heels this year, honestly. Uh, it's just a fantastic story to close your big Bound for Glory show. So, like I said, this is this takes place on Saturday. Uh, it's probably gonna be on Fight TV. I will be reviewing this live for Figure 4W online, and I will have the review for the WrestlingRevolution.com. A couple of hours later, we can review it next week for sure on your impact trend uh, traffic report um but up until then we we just have to wait and see where it goes and and thus we come to the end of this week's episode of wrpx your wrestling revolution podcast it's been long it's been so full of wrestling but we have to go home uh so like just a couple a couple of plugs to get in i participated with the lucha brothers for their uh g1 recap uh podcast so go to and twitter for uh lucha jobbers let's lucha like lucha libre and jobbers as joshi hashi so lucha jobbers and, and listen to uh my friend wally's podcast where we talk about pretty much everything that we said today but in spanish and a little bit more because he is really knowledgeable and everything he says so listen to his ideas uh and furthermore go to figure 4w online to read the impact uh reports uh they are slightly more dis uh descriptive than what we talk about here because i uh some of the things that we talked about here like are not really worth going into like the whole fucking wedding but uh, also go to TheWrestlingRevolution.com where you can read all the reviews for the G1 Climax that we just finished. And, and along that, you can also find reviews for Ring of Honor, for AW, for WWE, which I'm not proud to promote because I hate WWE. But they are there uh, from some of our other reviewers. You can go to WRPX Podcast to find the website of this podcast which I've been forgetting to plug <laughs> because it's not fully finished, but just give me a little bit of time. And that is it. Go to Twitter for a DW revolution for your, for, I mean, that's where I put all the information about the podcast and, and, and everything that we do. So those are the plugs. Um, I think it's time to go. I hope you have a good night and like always, au revoir, mon amis.
Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody.